Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another Wednesday night edition of BAMS Radio. They let the producer out of his cage. I am Thomas The Rock Watts. I will probably not be talking much more than this, but we are having a couple of issues getting our main host, Kerry Clark, on the, on the show with us. Until then, you've got me and Drew DeArmond. I'm going to introduce Drew of Alabama Intel. Drew, how's it going this evening? Good, Thomas. Uh, good to be with you on a... Uh unanticipated uh, Wednesday from the standpoint of the results from the weekend, but it's part of college football. Uh, there's not, you know, adversity makes, uh, it can, can make champions in a way. And a lot of times you, you, uh, when you, uh, you can always tell a lot about people when, uh, when they have to go through adversity. And we're going to find out a lot about this Alabama football team and program uh, Saturday at five o'clock. Absolutely. Uh, I, I kind of want to. I know you broke this story on Alabama Intel, and I've seen it on a couple of other websites. Just during my little my my daily Bama romp, where I tear through as many websites as I can find. The uh, this, the the comments from T.J. Yeldon in the locker room. You know, what what were your thoughts on that? I, I personally was very heartened by it, but what did you think about that? Well, I was too, because T.J. is, as you know, T.J. is a, is a quiet guy. He doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't even do a lot of interviews. You can count on one hand how many he's done at his time at Alabama. He's the the media part is not really his his situation, so he's not a real vocal leader type guy. For him to be that in, in that passionate after a football game, I was just talking to a good friend of this show and, a, and a, my cohort, William Redfish Barger, uh, about an hour ago before coming on here. And like I told him, with what happened in the locker room post Ole Miss. And what Jalston Fowler said in the media Monday and what Austin Shepard said Tuesday, the gauntlet has been laid down. To me, it is on the players now. They have to step up. And if Alabama is still a, a dominant program and one of the best you know, top five teams in the country, then they have to perform now from this point forward. And they will need to put on a good performance Saturday against the Razorbacks. Because, honestly, when you call out teammates – and basically say practice hasn't been going well, 
the coaches can only do so much, Thomas. The players have played, and the players have to step up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I uh, was definitely – I was happy – okay, I was saddened to see that it came to that, but at the same time, I was 18 once. I was 18 not even 10 years ago. <laughs> right. I, I can remember the mentality that everything is okay, everything is okay, we're doing the right thing, and then suddenly we're not. So right. I, I, I totally bought that. And we will see. We will see Saturday. I think Alabama has a good matchup. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think if Alabama comes out and really puts it on Arkansas, I think the train is back rolling down the tracks. And for all of the crap that Alabama fans and Alabama players and everybody surrounding the football program has taken over the past, you know what, call it four days-ish, yes. Alabama was real close to winning that game. You know, it's not like it was a blowout. So there's a lot of good oh. to be taken from it. I am going to bring – I have Kerry online in queue, I believe, so I'm going to make him live. Okay. Kerry, good to have you with us tonight. Yes, Thomas, thank you. And my Skype is about 90% booting now, so you'll be able to call me in just a second. But, uh, yes, right, I'm here, gotcha. and uh, I've been listening to you guys, and uh, I totally agree I will say this, uh, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but uh, this belief that some of the fan base has that Alabama is just going to win every game every week just by showing up in crimson is, uh, well, I don't really know where to put it. It's bullshit. Uh, we are, Nick Saban is a one-loss coach. He always has been. He always will be. Uh, there will be a one-loss every season that he's at Alabama. Uh, the exception of 209 was because Tennessee's kickers were hurt. It was nothing Saban did. Tennessee won that game in every way, but had a hurt kicker that caused them to have a field goal block. So he's a one-loss coach, and if they don't understand that, then they don't understand football, and I can't help them. But Alabama's not going to win every game that they play every single week. There's going to be a minimum well, of one loss every year he's there. Minimum. Well, I, and I – I don't disagree, Kerry, and pardon me, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I agree with you. I've had to put – I've been, you know, putting out fires on my website this week. Had one one well-known member of my site uh, who thinks Nick Saban is the game has passed him by and that uh, he's basically gone the way – he even brought up Mike DeBose, which is the most asinine comment I think I've ever heard. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he basically called me a sunshine pumper today. And uh, which I'm not. I know Alabama has issues, but to say that Alabama's program is finished is just ridiculous. Um, to me, well, Thomas just true, brought it true. up. The person who the game has passed by, Steve Spurrier, is not Nick Saban. I I, I agree with that. But what I was going to say is, and what Thomas uh, Thomas touched on it, and I agree 100. percent If Alabama, it, it's as simple as this, and it shows how little margin for error there is in the SEC. But in my opinion, and it's and it's uh, assuming a lot. But in my opinion, if O.J. Howard doesn't get called for holding and Alabama's first down and 10 at the 18, the whole stadium knew Alabama was going to win that game. Uh, Ole Miss' I think line, Ole Miss's crowd, and Alabama knew it too. And the the, the final nail in the coffin to, to, to put a microcosm on the whole game was O.J. Howard's holding penalty. So uh, Alabama would have won the football game. They're not that far off from winning games. Uh, the last Al, there's been a lot of consternation, and a lot of the, the same gentleman continues to say Alabama's four and three in their last seven games. They could have won all seven of those. 
So uh, there's, there's not a lot. There, there is some things wrong with the program. Some younger guys need to be playing. There's no doubt about that. But the, the Alabama program is going to be fixed, and it's, the Nick Saban is going to continue having it. It's one of the, the tops in the nation. Uh, Ole Miss, it took Ole Miss a decade to beat Alabama, and it may take them a decade to beat them again. It took them 12 I years. I just want to jump in, and I, I think you really have hit the nail on the head here, Drew. And and, and, I want, and Kerry as well. And Nick Saban is traditionally a one-loss coach. And That's true. And it's just – it, now now the gauntlet has been thrown down. I personally think that the team is going to respond and will blow the doors off Arkansas this upcoming week. And then you're going to really see a big test in A&M because I think A&M is going to beat Ole Miss this weekend. That's, that's the definition of trap game going on the road after a big win. But, I, you know, it was an unfortunate situation, and hopefully the team gets it turned around. That That's kind of the stance I feel like as a positive Alabama fan, not somebody that just has to rain on everyone's parade. That's kind of the stance you have to take, but that's just my opinion. The schedule favors Alabama, I think. The the schedule breaks well for Alabama because Alabama's toughest games the rest of the year are A&M-Auburn, and they're both at home, okay? This is is not a good LSU team. This is uh, not a good Tennessee team. The schedule is in Alabama's favor. And I actually thought it was it was good for Alabama that Florida showed so well defensively last Saturday because Alabama, they do need to tweak their play calling and get a little bit more aggressive, but they shredded Florida's defense. And Tennessee's offense had supposedly turned the corner, and we all saw what happened to Justin Worley last week. Right. I mean, t- Tennessee was at home. They had the game won. They uh, – I, I, you know, look, we we are having a tough week because we lost to a, a top five team. Fine, right? If you want to compare what's going on in Tuscaloosa to what's going on in Baton Rouge or Knoxville or even Gainesville, where they have the third string quarterback fighting Landon Collins with a little blood outside the stadium Monday night, you get the cops called on that. Not to mention a quarterback pulling a Winston and this time actually getting disciplined for it. If you want to compare what's going on in Tuscaloosa to those three dumpster fires, I can't help you. Of course not. You can't do that and. That's what it, and that, that's the thing that's ridiculous. You know, now you got all kind of rumors, players are unhappy and everything, but that always comes out when you lose. When you win, everything's fine. I'm glad players want to play. I'm glad that they're wanting to step up. Hopefully that means they'll step up against Arkansas. Everybody wants to play. But uh, I think it's just now, I like you heard Thomas and I say, Kerry, it's on the players now, man. They've got to step up. And uh, they've got to, you know, perform better. They've got to stop getting penalties and making middle errors and turning the football over. It's like I said in the Ole Miss game. It's what came true. If Alabama played a clean game and didn't get all – and got, you know, four or, five, four or less penalties and didn't turn the football over, they would have won the football game. They got eight penalties and had two straight turnovers near the end of the football game, and it sealed their fate. So they just got to clean it up. Uh, the season's – like you said, there's a lot of football to be played. The schedule's pretty, you know, favorable, uh, to be honest. And uh, I thought for his first road start, he's taken a lot of heat, but I thought Blake Sims played pretty well. And uh, he made some mistakes, but he still gave Alabama a chance to win. And the throw, now that more people have seen it enough times, the throw to O.J. wasn't that bad. O.J. got his hands on it, man. He's got a high point that ball, like A.J. McCarron said, and be a and be a baller. And He, uh, did, to be, he D.J. hauled it instead of Ozzie Newsom. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and OJ Howard's a very talented player and has and still has a bright future, but he did not play well Saturday, and now it's on him to step up. That's correct. And you know, the players. You know, 
I even noticed before I knew what was going through his mind, I noticed watching on the TV that after Drake got hurt, that T.J. Yeldon was, as T.J. Fluker calls it, pissed off for greatness. Um, maybe that's a Baldwin County thing, whatever. It needs to rub off on the rest of the team. And I was extremely happy to read your piece about T.J. speaking up in the locker room. And I was extremely happy to see the remarks that Jalston and Austin made to the media. It is on the players, and they know it. And, uh, look, every game they play the rest of this year, including the invincible Auburn, according to some Bama fans, is winnable. There's nobody left on the regular season schedule that's not winnable. Exactly. The players play, and as you said, Drew, accurately clean it up. That, that's physically and mentally. Clean it up. Every game is winnable. Does the loss hurt? Yes, it hurts. Does it suck that it takes a loss to wake up 18- to 21-year-old kids? Yes, it sucks. Does it suck that it takes a loss to get the coaches to start putting the best people on the field uh, at certain positions like right guard? Yes, it sucks. But it happened, and it happened for a reason. And, you know, all two of the three Nick Saban National Championship teams had a loss. So let's not let this one loss define the season. Let's, right. let's look forward. Let's, as Jim McElwain says, break off the rearview mirror, and let's play some freaking football. Exactly. You you can you you'll either be defined you'll be defined as a, as a seniors as what how you uh, how you uh, step up here, you know. Are you going to step up or are you going to let it wreck your season? And Christian Jones needs to step up. He, I mean, he's just disappeared. He was a really good football player, Kerry, for three years, and for this season, starting with game one, he has not done anything. In years past, you know, when in, in close games like that. What, with guys hurt, like and, and to be honest, nobody's really talking about it, Kerry. But it was really cumbersome to the offense once Kenyon Drake went out. That you had to have DeAndre De- White as nothing more than a uh, decoy, because when he's been healthy enough, he had six catches in each game. So they really needed somebody else to step up. OJ Howard didn't step up enough, and you know Christian Jones did not. Fumbling the kickoff, and then he only, he only made one two catches in the game. He, they need more out of Christian Jones. Uh, that was the one thing A.J. McCarron said yesterday that I kind of disagreed with. He said, well, Christian Jones needs to be uh, featured more. No, Christian Jones needs to step his own game up because we know he's capable of uh, doing the job, but he has not done it this year, and it's just been perplexing. Our producer has asked us to riff a little bit about uh, the radio comments of our former quarterback, the uh, great and wonderful A.J. McCarron, who now has all of a sudden become a coach off the field. Uh, your thoughts on his remarks uh, on uh, the Tuscaloosa radio station, the game last night? Well, I, I didn't think they were that bad, Kerry. I, I didn't, I didn't agree with the again the Christian Jones comment, but he, he's right about one thing. He told the truth. Saban sometimes, you know, handcuffs the offensive coordinator. He wants to get more conservative. Everybody's known that. It's not, you know, national news. And then the real thing everybody was concerned about is he, he said, you know, there needs to be someone step up as a leader on offense. And I think he's right, but that that and it had to happen in a loss. But I think some guys have stepped up. Uh, he wasn't in the locker room anymore. He he doesn't know about Blake Sims and and uh, and TJ Yeldon, or he wasn't there when it happened. And even Derrick Henry and guys like that. So they're stepping up as leaders, and that's what needs to happen. Uh, you know, I didn't have too much of a problem with what he said. He came on again tonight and kind of clarified it, and he said, I meant vocal leader, not just true leader. He said, that was, I misspoke. I should have said, you know, vocal leader. And they do need a vocal leader. And you know yourself, T.J. Yeldon is not very vocal, but to do what he did in the locker room after the game has got to be heartening because, and like you said, he played a heck of a football game against Ole Miss. He, he was the best running back on the field. 
All right, well, we have got our first guest of the evening online now, Drew, and since you were kind enough to get him for us, I'll let you introduce him. Yeah, well, you know, we're honored uh, tonight on BAMS Radio to be joined uh, by Gainesville, Georgia, head football coach Bruce Miller, who had the privilege of coaching Blake Sims in high school. And, Coach Miller, we really appreciate you being on BAMS Radio with us tonight. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. We really appreciate it, Coach. And I guess, first, we just want to ask you, I mean, uh, you, you obviously – you got to coach the young man in high school, and uh, you're, you got, you've got you've got a great program there at Gainesville. Just kind of talk about Blake and what he meant to your program. Well, when Blake came into us, uh, he moved in as a junior. Uh, he was he was just a remarkable athlete. Uh, there is nothing he couldn't do. He could throw, he could run, uh, and uh, we had just recently gone to the spread offense, and uh, uh, he made it look like a real good decision. <laughs> Uh, he could do it all. Yeah, absolutely. And and and, and just and, and I, I wanted to I want I know you've been able to watch him from afar now that he's gone to Alabama and and I think the amazing thing about what he's done, coach, and you know the climate this day and time is that he's stuck it out for five years, playing multiple positions, and has finally gotten a chance to play the position he's always played, which is quarterback. But kind of talk about his mindset, and I know you probably communicated with him throughout his you know, collegiate career, but talk about him, you know, sticking it out and waiting his turn. It doesn't happen a lot now in college football. No, it doesn't. Uh, he, uh, I, I thought it was real remarkable that he, that he stuck it out for four years uh, playing behind people. And, uh, you know, for the first couple of years, I think uh, they really didn't know where to play him, uh, whether to play him at running back, a defensive back, or even a quarterback. But when they finally moved him back to quarterback, uh, I, I was very impressed with his uh, ability uh, or understanding that he was definitely going to stick it out and he was going to fight for that quarterback's job this year. And uh, he said, all I can do is all I can do. And he he, he just give it all, everything you had, and good things happened for him. Coach Miller, this is Kerry Clark. I'm Drew's partner. I work over at Bama Magazine and BamaMag.com. And uh, I appreciate also you coming on. I need to tell you a couple of quick, funny stories before I ask this question. Uh, one is five years ago, I can remember being down in Tuscaloosa for a scrimmage. Uh, Coach Drew and I are members of a club that's called the Red Elephant Club, and it supports Alabama football. And I know that's very <laughs> ironic because it's your team's mascot. And I've always been intrigued, and I've always wanted to come out and find me a Gainesville Elephant polo shirt. But, Coach, I can't wear it this week because y'all are playing Lanier, and my nephew is a long snapper for Lanier. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can't do, no you it's can't crazy. Do that. It's a small world. Yeah. And uh, I can remember five years ago, Coach, Blake coming down for a visit uh, during one of the spring scrimmages. It uh, might even have been A-Day. I think it was A-Day. About five years ago, and Blake being on a visit and losing his cell phone. And they were asking everybody in the Coliseum lobby, uh, y'all y'all find the cell phone let us know. It belongs to Blake Sims. He's one of our recruits. And, Blake was walking around looking. They finally found it, but it's just so funny the kind of the kind of connection that that Blake has with us. And and like I said, you know, we <laughs> I, I I've never been to one of your games, and finally this Friday I'm going to be able to come see one because it'll be the one game of my nephew's senior season at Veneer I'll get to see, and I picked this one especially because I've always wanted to see the elephants play. So now I'm finally going to get to a question, <laughs> Coach. Uh, there is a player on Veneer. Uh, he is a junior defensive lineman, number 90, Derek Brown. He's got all kind of SEC and ACC offers. I know you've seen him on film. You might even remember him from last year. 
what are your impressions on Derek Brown for the near defensive lineman? He is a big old boy that can move. Uh, he is uh, he's very impressive to watch him on film. And, uh, yes, I can understand why he has many offers. Uh, he is uh, – they have got very good size on their defensive line. Uh, and uh, I think Derek's the small one up there at uh, 290. Uh, there's there's one up there at 330 at three uh, over 300 pounds and uh, and he, he you know they do a real good job so it's going to be uh, we're really going to play well to to be able to beat them but uh, yeah he's a, he's a very good player. And coach, what's the follow up question? Do you have some guys on your team right now that are committed to to major colleges or being heavily recruited? Yeah, we've got um, we've got one that's committed to Troy. We've got one that's uh, committed to uh, Louisiana at Monroe. Uh, we've got uh, another that's committed to Charleston Southern. Uh, but, um, you know, we we feel like we've got a few more. We've got one committed to Illinois State. and uh, But we feel like we've, uh, we we don't have any SEC-type players uh, on, our, on our roster right now. Uh, but uh, they're all good football players, and they're – uh, got chances to play other places. So it's just a rumor right now, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up somebody on your team being committed to Troy because, as you know, Coach Blayton is retiring. And I got to tell you, Coach Miller, um, one of the rumors is that they may talk to Rush folks. <laughs> really? I don't know if Rush is as beloved among the Georgia coaches as he was over here in Alabama, but uh, it could get interesting if they hire him. Oh, that could be very interesting. Yes. Well, and Coach Miller, I wanted to ask you about your team also this year before we go back to Blake. Uh, obviously, you know, Alabama's coming off a, a heartbreaking loss last weekend, and everybody's, you know, uh, kind of up in arms because of the Ole Miss loss. But your team came out of blocks and, and lost a very and, and lost a tough football game to Grayson, but you guys have responded since that time and played some really good football. How, how is your team at this point? How are you? What is your progress report on your football team right now? Well, I'm very excited about the way we're playing. Uh, it seems like uh, every week uh, somebody steps up and uh, has a good game, whether it's offensively or defensively. Last week uh, our defense had a real good game. They scored uh, two touchdowns uh, or two touchdowns and a safety. Uh, our defense did and uh, and just kept us in great field position. So uh, we, we're playing well. We just got to play well this Friday night because this is a huge game for us coming up Friday night. Absolutely. And, and and getting back to Blake and what he meant to your team, your program, but obviously have you been uh, – he, he played QB for you, and I guess the first part of the question is, did he, uh, did he always envision himself as a quarterback on the college level? And then, two, have you, have you even been surprised at the progress he has made uh, now that he has gotten his uh, chance to start? Uh Yes, I thought he could be. I thought he would be a quarterback. I thought he would go with a a spread type offense uh, that right. that they were running in in, in college. Uh, but um, uh, yes, I've been very surprised, but I've been very happy. Uh, he has improved tremendously. Uh, his release of getting rid of the football in, in a big hurry is just amazing. I mean, he he does not take long to get get rid of the ball, and uh, I still see some of his old. Uh, old moves he used in high school as far as running the football. Uh, that little spin move he's got, uh, 
Uh, he used it in high school, and nobody ever tackled him. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm very excited for him, and uh, I'm just very happy for him that uh, he's getting a chance to play, and uh, I, I get a chance every Saturday to sit here and watch him, and I, I'm just thrilled for him. And and now that Alabama's had some adversity as he, with him starting, what kind of he, – what we we have heard really good reports about him as a leader. What kind of leader is he, and – and uh, do you, what do you? How do you expect him to to step up in his performance uh, after this uh, the Ole Miss uh, the way the ending that nobody really wanted? Well, he he he'll respond. Blake is a is, is a leader, uh, and uh, he will respond. Uh, he came to me one game we were struggling his senior year, and he came to me and he said, Coach, uh, he said, I, I, if you just put the team on my back, I think I can I can pull it pull it out. And sure enough, he did. Uh, with running the ball and throwing the ball. And uh, he's just that type of kid that uh, he doesn't mind having the pressure on him. Uh, and I think he'll perform very admirably as, as this goes. Coach Miller, I understand that uh, when he was playing for you, that Blake was actually a pretty good good kick returner as well. Do you remember some of that? <laughs> when he was a senior, about the seventh or eighth game, uh, I, we, had, we were non-existent in our returning kicks and punts. And uh, I said, I, I'm going to put him back deep. And, uh, of course, everybody questioned my sanity uh, with our quarterback being back there. But in the state semifinal game, uh, we were struggling. We were behind 14 to nothing. And uh, they kicked off to us, and Blake returned the kickoff for a touchdown. And uh, and it just kind of ignited us. And uh, he was an excellent punt returner and uh, uh, kickoff returner in high school. If I remember correctly, he got you all, all the way to the championship game in the Georgia Dome, and you had kind of a tight finish. Why don't you walk us through the fourth quarter of that game? Well, we were behind uh, going into the fourth quarter of the game, and uh, we were behind 13-7. Uh, and um, uh, well, it was 13-6 to because we missed extra point. And uh, we scored with with no time left on the clock. Uh, in the state championship game, and it made it uh, 13 to 12. And uh, our kicker uh, had really struggled uh, that night, so we decided to go for two. And uh, we had a wideout named uh, T.J. Jones who played at Notre Dame. And uh, Blake uh, threw the pass to him, and uh, barely the defensive back barely got his fingers on the ball and just tipped it away. But uh, – we came that close to winning the state championship uh, with Blake. We we went for the two to try to win it, and we didn't win it, so we ended up losing 13 to 12. And who were y'all playing? We were playing Peach County uh, out of South Georgia. Okay. Yeah, and, and Coach, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, we said this before you came on, and since you've seen him in, on the high school level, you're probably having a lot of flashbacks when you're watching him on Saturdays. But, and I know it's part of football, just like when you guys went for two and he was inches away from being good. But I firmly believe, even though he had his – he was his first road start and he had his ups and downs, he made – he did make some plays, though. And if I, I firmly even believe if the Alabama had not got the holding penalty on the last drive, if you got first down inside the 20, I feel like Blake Sims is going to take Alabama to a victory. Uh, I felt like on that last play, he threw the ball to O.J. Howard. He gave him a chance to catch the football. But I really feel like that his best football is still ahead. And I've been as surprised as anyone at how much he's improved 
but he just does a great job. Well, I've, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him for his resiliency to stay in there and fight. Uh, he told me last spring, uh, I asked him, I said, how do you feel about the quarterback's job? And he told me, he said, uh, Coach, all I can do is everything I can do, and I'm going to do everything I can do to win that job. Uh, and uh, he really had his heart set on on, on, on competing. And uh, I'm so proud of him for standing there and competing. And like you said earlier in our conversation, it had been real easy for him just up and leave. But uh, he stayed in there and fought it out, and I'm so proud of him. For a little while, Blake, I'm talking about, what do you remember about Lane Kiffin as a recruiter? I thought he was a very good recruiter. Uh, he came in, uh, he met in my office with Blake, and, uh, I, you know, I was really worried uh, that uh, Blake would go, go to college and get an education. That was my first concern. And uh, Coach Kiffin made sure that he – he would get a he would get a college education. That uh, there were things set in place at Tennessee to to make sure that the classroom work for him would he he could get it done and uh, still play college football. And I, I was very impressed with him, very um, very honest and very upfront. And uh, I just felt like um, uh, you know uh, I was I surprised when Blake went to Alabama. Uh, not really. Uh, Blake's always been one to want to go somewhere where uh, he can be challenged, and uh, I, I'm I was very surprised, but I was also understood Blake's commitment and uh, understood what he wanted to do, and uh, that's that's Blake. Coach, who's your college football team? Who do you root for normally? I don't root for anybody. Can you believe that? Uh, I root for yeah. Alabama and Clemson right now, since and Tennessee. I got kids playing at uh, Alabama. I got kids playing at Tennessee. I got kids playing at um, at Clemson, and I got kids playing at um, uh, University of Central Florida. Uh, and uh, I've root for all of those teams. I don't have a favorite team. My favorite team is to sit here on Saturday afternoon and watch college football. That's fine. I, I can tell you another funny story of having covered the high school prospects in addition to the school University of Alabama, I go out on Friday nights, like I will this Friday at your game, and look at potential future players. And I can remember many times being on the sideline with Dabo Sweeney, just as fine as a manager will ever meet. Oh, you're right. He uh, he what he is a good he is a good man and uh, and a very honest person. And uh, you know we were we were so happy that uh, they they recruited Deshaun. Who was Blake's recruiter for Alabama? I don't remember. Uh, the, the quarterback coach that went to Colorado State. Jim McElwain. Yeah. I, I can just imagine Jim McElwain. That had, that had to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he recruited him uh, along with Kirby Smart because uh, I think Kirby has has this area up in here, but uh, – uh, but, Coach McElveen came came by several times and uh, and really um, uh, you know came in and talked to Blake and uh, Coach Smart. I think that had a lot to do with him going to uh, Alabama. Coach, I'm come visit with you very briefly before the game Friday. This this really is not really a question. This is this is just a, a statement. I'm glad you brought up Kirby because my aunt and uncle live up in Clayton. Kirby's run the golf course in the neighborhood country club they live at. So. Uh, We've just got all kinds of connections. I'm looking forward to uh, meeting you and shaking your hand Friday night, but I know Drew's got another question. Coach, I, I wanted to ask you. Oh, go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I'll be looking forward to meeting you also. Yeah, and Coach, I got I've read a little bit about it, and I think it's amazing. And I think it it, it kind of laid the foundation for him sticking it out at Alabama and finally realizing his dream of being a quarterback in the SEC. But kind of tell our audience, you know, how far Blake came playing for you because he had to do a lot, of, you know, academically as well to uh, to play college football. But he stayed with it and worked so hard. And he had two special ladies that helped him and uh, helped him reach his goal. And just kind of talk about his journey to where he is now. Well, when 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 Blake got to us, there was definitely some uh, some some uh, things he had to, he had to work on, and uh, but the, just like he, just like football or anything else, Blake went to work on it, uh, and uh, he met these uh, met these ladies um, uh, early in the morning, like seven thirty. Our school didn't start till like eight twenty five. He'd meet them at seven thirty uh, every morning uh, for tutoring sessions and for. Uh, uh, help on the SAT and uh, just to, just his commitment to being there every morning at 7:30 and getting the work done and uh, you know when he had a chance staying after school and getting work done uh, he he was very diligent and uh, wanted that to happen and wanted that to happen and uh, and I was so impressed with his uh, his get after it uh, you know so many times you see athletes that uh, want to be given something. And uh, Blake didn't want to be given anything. He wanted to earn it, and uh, he showed that by showing up every morning at 7.30 for the extra help sessions. Also, we, we've heard about him working with the QB coach this past summer and in the spring. I know he probably talked to you about that. What was his thoughts about uh, deciding to, to, to enlist the help of someone else to, to get better? Because, I mean, that says a lot for him. Well, he, was, he, was, he came in last spring break and uh, spent about three days at home, maybe four, and he, I asked him where he, he said, I've got to go to Florida. And he was telling me about the quarterback coach he was working with. And then I know he went back this summer for for a time. And uh, I just saw some of the things that was refined in him uh, so, so much. Uh, his ability to get rid of the football, his quick release, uh, and all those things were just refined in him. And uh, when I saw him play the first game against West Virginia, I said he looks like a totally different uh, player, and but that that was just Blake's commitment to want to be the best. And um, I, I'm again, I'm just so proud of proud of him and and his work ethic and what he what he's been able to accomplish. Coach yeah. Miller, we sure appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. Uh, I know that it's uh, after nine thirty in Georgia, and uh, I'll come find you before the game Friday. I'm Kerry Clark. I'll be the Probably the only more on there than Alabama Polo alone. But I'll come up and check you in. We'll chat for a few minutes uh, before y'all play with me here. And just, uh, just tell you, nose guard on the uh, the front return team, to please not kill my nephew's number 88. Okay. <laughs> I will do. Thank you. Look forward Thank to you, Coach. Coach. Really Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you all for having me, guys. Uh, Thank you. That's Coach Bruce Miller of the Gainesville Red Elephants, one of the favorite mascots in any, in any Alabama fan's mind. Uh, and now we have a caller on hold, uh, sort of like the return of the prodigal son, I guess. He's been one of our best callers over the last few months and hadn't heard from him. I know he has to work. But we got Brian from Birmingham on BAMS Radio. Brian, uh, welcome to BAMS Radio. Hey, how y'all doing? Just as blessed as we are broken. Uh, uh, Brian is calling us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. He has called us at 714 310 3707. And uh, Brian, it is great to hear from you. What you got tonight, buddy? 
Oh, I just have a few questions um, today. Uh, uh, let me start with the offense side of the ball. Um, what's up with um, the receiver, uh, Robert Foster? Why? Because he was supposed to be uh, – I pretty much thought he could be a bigger bigger contributor for this year. Is there any reason why he hasn't been on the field? Well, I could Brian, give you an opinion. Uh, well, Brian, I'll tell you what, I, I've wondered the same thing myself. Uh, I thought he made plays in the spring. I right. felt like, you know, I, I felt like that he would be in the top five to six. And then with, when you've seen the injury woes of DeAndrew White and uh, you've seen the struggles of Christian Jones, uh, right. I would have thought he would have already been on the field. Now, that has been one thing that has bothered me, that I think some young players need to be given an opportunity uh, Chris Black finally has been starting to get some opportunities. He had two catches last week, uh, and I know he, he's been wanting to showcase his skill. I think that's what Alabama needs to do. I think they need to start getting more guys involved, more young guys. I know mm-hmm. he made a mental error. Coach Saban talked about in one of the blowouts where he would have scored on a screen. I think it's his only catch of the year. He got three yards and could have scored a touchdown. But they need to start letting these guys make mistakes in games, kind of like what they did with Tony Brown who made some plays against uh, Ole Miss, but, you know, also had some mental errors. I think they just need to let these guys play and kind of let it rip. And I'm hoping, as Kerry said, sometimes it takes a loss, but hopefully you're going to see some of these cats uh, getting on the field. Okay. I just wonder about that because he was such a big talent coming out of high school, you know, because uh, I no would doubt, expect no to doubt. make – Yeah. Um, another well, here's player. what hurt him, Brian. It, it hurt him, mm-hmm. Brian, but he did get eligible to the last second, and he got there just yes. time for August practice. And basically that meant he had to basically waste last fall on the scout team. So, yeah, he's in uh, receiver meetings and all that, but he's not really learning our offense, if that makes sense. And okay. uh, the problem there – the other problem is Cameron Sims came in in January and uh, – did pick up the offense, didn't have to be on the scout team in the spring because they don't really have one, and Cameron passed him by. And then Chris Black stayed ahead of him, and then the other guys are all seniors in the Mars, the junior breeze, all American. So there's so many good players at the position. It's been hard for Robert to get in the regular rotation, and I know he's frustrated. He'd have to be. Uh, we yeah. were at this point last year with Chris Black, but uh, right. that's that's kind of what's going on there. Yeah, because I'm not so worried about the offense. I know we had an off game. Um, what y'all think about the play calling? Um, it was probably 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it was on second and four. I don't know why we didn't ran the ball a little bit more. I think that would have cut time off the clock. And instead of just we, – we threw it on the second down. We threw it on second down, and we also threw it on third down, um, both being incomplete. And I thought we should have ran the ball a little more because we were successful with um, – uh, with, with our running back, uh, T.J. Yell didn't run the ball, I and mean, we just stopped. I don't, I didn't understand that doing that drive. If you remember that drive, I'm talking about. Well, I, I thought there was two or three times. I thought when we came out of the locker room in the third quarter, Brian, uh, we were running the football right at them and uh, right. had them on their heels. And in my opinion, if Alabama had scored a touchdown on that drive, Ole Miss was finished. Uh, yeah, they were already shell shocked by the uh, Cyrus Jones uh, no call uh, touchdown and were frustrated, and Alabama came out and punched them in the mouth. And I did think Kiffin got a little bit too cute there. To me, you yeah. continue to pound. They're a fast defense. You continue to run right at them, as I said the week before, and you continue to pound and pound, and then you play action a little bit, or you roll out uh, Blake Sims. But to me, Alabama got away with what was working, and that was trying to uh, they try to make the plays. And then Blake made a couple of mental errors, running out mm-hmm. of bounds and not 
throw the ball away. And then to me, and I all have minutes, but instead of trying a 50-yard field goal, which to me is a low-percentage play, especially with that wind, uh, they should right. have punted the football. J.K. Scott was in his own. Uh, make Ole Miss drive the field. But, but to be honest, they just got away from running right at Ole Miss because Alabama had 170 yards rushing and should have had over 200 if they had stayed with what was working, which was running right at the Rebels, in my opinion. And, Brian, exactly. if you follow me on Twitter, that's uh, my Twitter is at Bama, but I know Drew read this. That was the exact drive where I tweeted, uh, Dear Mike Shuler, please give the headset back to Lane Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I was uh, telling my wife, I'm like, "What is they doing? Just run the ball. It's second and four. Run the clock out." And I mean, because I'm sure they second and four, you get two yards, or three, and then you get another yard, another another down. I mean, you can make the first down easily. You run time off the clock. I did not understand that play calling on that series. It just really baffled me. It really did. Yeah, and and, and what and then and then Ryan Kelly's injury in the fourth quarter was huge, Brian. Uh, he yeah. was making the line calls, and and everybody's been kind of down on Bozeman. I think Bozeman will perform much better this week with a week of practice under his belt and snapping the mm-hmm. ball repeatedly. He was. It was kind of like what Coach Saban said today in the press conference. Everybody's like the incredible Hulk when they when they know they're going to play. Well, he didn't know he was going to play. He got thrown <laughs> in there. Didn't know the snap counts. Didn't mm-hmm. had not snapped in a real game as far as except for a blowout, and it kind of showed. And uh, he was a little bit rattled, but I still think if you give him a whole week of practice, I think he's going to be able to hold up. Uh, you know, you worry about the line calls, but a well-coached team can figure that out. Uh, my whole thing is they've got to cut out the penalties and the turnovers, Brian, exactly. no matter who they play, because exactly. if they don't cut those out, they're not going to, you know, reach the goals that they're capable of reaching because they're still no, – don't don't believe what you hear, Brian. I mean, Alabama is still a very talented team. They're not as talented as they have been in the past, but they're still one of the most talented teams in college football, but they have to do the little things right. Yeah, and what do y'all – how do y'all believe um, the Drake injury is going to affect us this season in the upcoming games? I don't think it's going to cost them a game – uh, it's unfortunate, but we were talking earlier this hour, Brian. The hardest two games left are A and M and Auburn, and they're at Bryant Denny. And yeah, I'm that's a good mindset, thing. Unless it's the Seahawks coming in, you need to win everything at Bryant Denny. Right. So, I, I feel like on the field, on the scoreboard, it won't have an effect. I've been told, and uh, and Drew touched on this in one of his articles, but I've I've been told and read that they have decided to dedicate the rest of the season to him. And sometimes okay. that tends to make guys play harder. And the second part of that is with the injury to Tyron Jones still going on too, uh, all T. Tenpenny, who is a very talented running back, is now number three off the scout team and with the varsity. And uh, I think people are going to be a little surprised at how good LT is. And he will mm. play Saturday. Just watch. Okay. They're getting okay. him ready to play. Okay, can't wait for that. But I think um, next few games we're going to pretty much show everybody how good we really are. I know Arkansas kind of is going to be a – I think it's an easier game because for our defense, we know what they're going to do. We're not really worried about too many guys on the edge as far as the receivers. I think they're just going to run. I think our defense is still built for running uh, for running teams like that. So I, I don't have. I don't think we should even worry about Arkansas. But I think A&M coming in, uh, like I said, Alabama um, – We'll we'll see how that works, but I still think we can still go to the uh, SEC championship. I can think, like I said, our hardest games, like you said, are at our homes 
field. So that's the best thing about the upcoming season, man. I just really think we should um, win the rest of the games. I just feel like, like I said, I think we should have won last week, man. I just feel out of my heart. Tell everybody we should have won that game, man, because we should have won. We just we just made a few oh, no like doubt. mistakes, like you said. But I think we'll be okay. I just want to. Um, let y'all know I'm still listening to y'all, man. I know I haven't called in a while, but I'm know still listening to y'all all the time. So I just, I know I'm calling with a loss, but I just want to let y'all know I'm still supporting y'all, still listening to y'all. So that's pretty much what I want to say today. I'm ready to kill the fatty calf. We'd like to welcome the father son home. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, thank Brian. You. We really, really appreciate you listening, man. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. I have a good night, okay? Thanks for calling, Brian. It's Ryan in Birmingham. Waiting patiently on hold, Drew. We have Big C in Greenville, and uh, Big C, uh, you had a good post on Facebook uh, Sunday about how fans kind of need to man up after a loss like this and how it was uh, back when you were a manager in the late 70s winning two national championships. Uh, why don't you kind of reiterate what that post said to our fan base? Okay. What I said was I was a manager on the 1978 team, and we lost the third game of the season to Southern Cal. But the way how we reacted to it was that we were going to still win the national championship even though we had a loss, and we were going to win it anyway. And uh, and we did. And like I mentioned in the, on the post there on Facebook, that uh, we had a close call at Washington. It was a 20-17 to 17 game. But after the Tennessee game during the regular season, we went into overdrive and just beat, started getting better and better each week. And then beat Penn State in the Sugar Bowl. And so basically, what I said they need to do is learn how to don't be crybabies, learn how to man up. The thing I don't get with all these fans, the way how they're reacting, they're acting like spoiled brats, uh, crybabies. And you know, in the old days, uh, when Alabama lost, we we want to play the next week and make up for it and, and try to go better. But now, I don't know, maybe this generation of fans. Are different. Obviously, they are. Uh, but I mean, I just never. I don't understand this meltdown after losing one game. I don't. Uh, I want y'all to understand something. I didn't like them losing. I hate they lost. But to me, the the work, the more painful part is hearing how these people reacting after how they lost the game. To me, more than the loss. To me, uh, is how well, Nick Saban said it best. Nick Saban said it best. All the goals they have when the season started are still out in front of them. Well, well that's and then true. Big C also, there's there's too many of them that don't remember and and aren't cherishing, you know, the results that they've had over the past eight years and 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 what him, you know, Kerry already brought his name up, but they they are, they have already forgotten the the Mike Shula era and and go and what it felt like to not be in contention and to not be an also ran and to not be on the front of every magazine and on the every every website. You should be honored that teams storm the field after beating you and tear down the goal. They know it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, the post well, of the day true. today on the internet. The, the post of the day on the internet today. Does anybody ever remember somebody storming the field and tearing down goalposts for beating Auburn? <laughs> yeah, that's true too. No, that that, doesn't happen. That again, what was that? What'd you say? What'd you say yeah, there? The, the post. I, I was saying that Big C, that the post of the day I read on the internet was: Does anybody ever remember one time a fan base storming the field and tearing down goalposts because they beat Auburn? I don't know. No, no, nope. You're right. That's a great one, man. I never, I hadn't heard that one. I like that one. But you're right. No, it's. I mean, that's. We'll do, yeah, we'll, you're we'll, right. We'll, I'll uh, be honored. 
We'll say it again Friday morning then. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, I do want to mention um, I got uh, new shows coming up on Talking Bama with Big C, which is at www.jockjive.com. Like us on Facebook. Tomorrow or Friday is going to have the Arkansas game up, and you can uh, – uh, I'm not going to tell you what my prediction is, but you can, if you listen to the show, you'll find out uh, what it will be. It's at the end, near the end of the show. But anyway, we'll have Danny Ford as our guest on the show. And he was a former player at Alabama, a former assistant coach at Alabama, and then he ended up being the head coach at Arkansas. So there's a little angle they got with Alabama and Arkansas with him. So, so that's what we got going on there. And, uh, um, yeah, Saban's right. The goals are still in front of us. The Alabama fans just need to man up and uh, have a stiff upper lip and just pull for the tide and not be crying about things that's already happened. Got to get over it and let's move on. I mean, we're number yeah. seven in all the polls, and seven is the highest-ranked one-loss team, and, like, four of them ahead of us play each other. So if we went out, we would be fine. Oh, yeah, that's all I know. We need to do is just win out. You're right. Win the West and then go to Atlanta and win that, and uh, we'll be in the top four right there. So, I mean, it's it's not over with yet. Now, I had a friend that texted me the other day, said the season's already over. Why? I don't know why he's giving up that. And he's old. He's in my, our age range, not somebody young. And I don't know. You know, he thought Alabama was playing not to lose instead of playing to win the other day. Now, what's y'all's opinion of that? comment there. The players admitted that Jocelyn Fowles said that. And he said we went there with a win. Uh, we, we were playing, you know, just try to sneak out of there, uh, you know, basically with a close win instead of uh, trying to go ahead and dominate the game. He, he admitted it. So, yeah, you're, you're right, and Jocelyn Fowler agrees with you. that That's what happened. But, you know, they'll learn from it. They'll move on. I, I trust the kids on this team. They've got a lot of heart. Uh, they just have to clean the game up from a penalty and turnover standpoint, which is very correctable. That's why you have practice. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they'll be fine if they do those two things. Well, I called up Jay Barker's show yesterday, and it was what it said: it's the three S flags, field goals, and fumbles. Now you get that corrected, like you said, everything will be fine. Yeah, I mean, and at least one of those field goals, they shouldn't even have tried it. Uh, it's yeah. funny, but that's that's water under the bridge. Uh, yep. You're right. I, I, I think you know winning is a great tonic. You know this as well as anybody. Big C, you pointed it out. You know uh, when they go to Fayetteville this week and win, I don't know. Let's say thirty-five to fourteen, but they'll win. All this whining will shut up for the time being, and as it needs to. Uh, mm-hmm. People are spoiled. It's like they don't remember the Sheila years. They don't remember the end of the Dubois years. They're, they're spoiled. Uh, but look, the goals are still out there. This is why you play the games on the field and not on paper. Uh, nobody needs to give up. Nobody needs to hang their head. Nobody needs to be a little whiny bitch. They need to man up, like you said, and let's go forward and let's pull together as a fan base, get behind these kids and these coaches, went out and show everybody that we're still Alabama and you need to hate us just as much as you hate the Yankees or any other winner. That's right. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, hey, I'll be I'll be calling you Saturday. I mean Friday morning around ten after uh, seven, big man. All right, we'll do that. And uh, 
But you know, I'm glad, I, I, y'all remember y'all can listen to all of Big C's shows, his radio show and his TV show at www.jockjive.com. Uh, in the meantime, you can hear Bam's radio on www.jockitch.com. <laughs> <laughs> April food. But thank you, Big C. Thanks for calling. Thank y'all. Time. Thank you, Drew. Y'all hang in there and roll tide. Thank you, Big C. Thank you, C. All right. Well, I was calling Big C. McGuire, one of the managers on the 78 and 79 national championship teams under Coach Paul Bryan. He's a weekly caller on the show. Big C and I have been friends really since the fall of 77. Long-time friend. Been, been, been through a lot. Got a lot of stories on him. Some of them are not fit for radio. But anyway, uh, <laughs> moving forward, uh, Drew, the Alabama basketball team uh, is actually starting to do things to promote themselves. Uh, the okay. men and women have announced uh, Hoops on the Quad uh, on the 18th of October uh, prior to the Texas A&M football game at 11 o'clock in the morning. The Alabama men's and women's basketball team will put on shooting exhibitions, and very brief scrimmages at an outdoor court that's going to be set up on the quad at the University of Alabama. Now, this may mess up some people's tailgating. I hate it for them. But regardless, it should be fun uh, and something that I will definitely walk over and get a gander at. And, and you know, Drew, it is a nice change, but you know what? It is happening. And uh, I, I was personally very glad to read about that this, this afternoon. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's – it's going to be a fan-friendly event, which I think is what they need to do, Kerry. They need to be more in front of the fans. They need to promote basketball a little bit better. Um, I've always thought that. I think the co- Coach Grant should be more accessible because he's a nice man, Kerry. Anybody that's ever met Anthony Grant's not had anything negative to say about him. He just needs to be more out in public and promote his product because Lord knows the, the man across the state's on every radio show and television show. So you need to make yourself seen. Uh, we think he's going to have a better team this year and, and have a chance to maybe have the best team of his tenure. And, uh, and and the best way to do that is to get out in front of the fans and promote those players and promote your product. And I think it's going to be a neat thing, and I'm glad they're doing it. And uh, and, I, and we all look forward to Coach Curry, uh, her second season. She laid a great foundation for the first. Uh, she's taken some much undue heat this week from ridiculous ambulance-chasing attorneys and idiotic liberal morons on ESPN uh, named Keith Olbermann uh, who don't know anything about the situation and just pile on because they're, they're who they are. Uh, but, and I just felt like that need to be, needed to be said because I think there was a lot of things going on off the court with these, some of these uh, young ladies that uh, are no longer with the program. Uh, and, and all these young ladies were, with the, were recruited by the previous coach and as you have said, you succinctly said, and sometimes it's not pretty, but it has to be done. And I just think both programs are, uh, you know, hopefully going to have good years this year, and I'm glad they're promoting their product. They are. It's a, it's, it's a positive situation. Everybody needs to get behind them and, and do all you can to be at Hoops on the Quad at 11 a.m. Central Time, just a few hours before Alabama takes on Texas A&M, Saturday, October 18th, Hoops on the Quad. Kudos to whoever came up with it, and kudos to Coach Grant and Coach Curry for buying into it. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Very happy to make that announcement. And, and and everybody I've talked to has always been very complimentary of Coach Curry. Uh, she's a very nice lady. Uh, done, and she and people have to understand she took over to the, the bottom of the bottom. 
as far as SEC women's basketball. She took over a really tough situation, and she left a traditional program that's one of the better, the top 25 in the country every year, Carrie, at Texas Tech to come resuscitate Alabama's program. And I think so far she's done really good work in her short time at Alabama. She really has. She's turned things around uh, attitude-wise and, and to, a, to some degree performance-wise. There were definitely more wins on the on, on the board last year. Drew, a question from the chat room, which I'll let you handle. Uh, any idea of what is going on with Grant Hill and also with Eddie Jackson? Are they both physically okay? I believe Coach Saban addressed that tonight in his press conference. He, he did. You know, Eddie Jackson is getting better. Uh, I'm watching him on the practice field this week. He's moving pretty well. I would anticipate him hopefully getting some reps this week. I think he's very close to getting back on the field. Grant Hill is still absent. Uh, he has a an illness of some sort. I'm digging to find out exactly what that is, but it's obviously a situation where he cannot practice, and it's been something that is severe enough that the medical staff has not cleared him yet, so it's put him behind the eight ball because – he could have been someone else to where he's practiced at center that could have been looked at at that spot. But, you know, he's been at tackle since uh, the spring. But he in the spring he played center about half the time, did a pretty nice job, did, didn't have any issues with the snaps. But he should be back uh, soon, but just don't know yet what the exact illness is, and we're efforting to find out. But Eddie Jackson should be back in short order, Gary, and I think he's needed. And Coach Saban said Jarek Williams was ready to go, too. Uh, yeah, he looks they, good. They He's also chose not well. to use him. Too. So, uh, they didn't use him last week. I will bet you the bottom dollar they use him all three this week. Uh, but that being said, uh, we are going to uh, take a uh, break here. It is three minutes before the hour. Uh, we'll be back uh, right after the top of the hour with our next guest, Kurt McNair, publisher of Bama Magazine and BamaMag.com. You're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcasts, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone app store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio giving you all tied, all the time. Darius to the 15, he spins to the 5, 
minute after the hour. Welcome back to Bama's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. A member of the Bama Sports Radio family and glad to be a member of that family. That has definitely helped our listenership. Uh, we had a good first hour. We uh, we heard from uh, Bruce Miller, the head coach of the Gainesville Red Elephants, uh, who coached Blake Sims in high school. We had a couple of good uh, anecdotes about Blake, uh, as well as a little bit of a scouting report on an Alabama prospect that I'll be checking out this Friday night as I visit uh, Sugar Hill, Georgia, which is right by Buford an area that has sent many athletes to the University of Alabama. People like Austin Shepard and uh, Dylan Lee and Callie Case and several others, uh, but it's an area of northern Gwinnett that's been very good, and I'll be checking out the Lanier Longhorns, whom my nephew James Clark is the long snapper for, taking on the Gainesville Elephants, Coach Miller's team. and uh, They have one loss between them, so it should be a really pivotal game. It's a region game. Looking forward to it. Uh, they call Lanier's Stadium the Ranch. I've been there for some spring games, but never a, a regular season game. So looking forward to that. And uh, Drew, I will, I will be on the road too, Kerry. Um, looking forward to it's Freddie Kirby to to seeing what I think is going to be the premier game in the state of Alabama Friday night, and that's the Shades Valley Mounties hosting the Clay Chalkville Cougars. Oh yeah, prospects all over the place. And uh, I tell you what, if that quarterback for uh, Clay Chalker wasn't 5'10", he'd be D1 all the way. Yeah, he might still be. He'd be being back. recruited by everybody. Oh, uh, yeah. I think his name is Doyle, something like that. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. That actually could be a rematch for the North Championship of 6A, uh, and, and that will be the one that I catch if those two meet up a second time. I cannot, cannot um, do that. So, uh I really like the the Terrell West kid, too, uh, for them, who's a shorter kid for for Clay, very explosive. And then T.J. Simmons is a junior. I don't think he's really got – he's fast enough to be big-time SEC, but he's a really, really good receiver as well. And Shades Valley speaks for itself. You've got Rashad Louie at quarterback, Keith Mixon, who may be Mr. Football in the state of Alabama, and then Deron Payne. So, yep. Excellent prospects. Yeah, I had a good time watching uh, Deron a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, even in high school, Drew, the nose guard gets double teamed a lot. 
but especially yeah. when, the, when the nose guard has a five star. Uh, yeah. He gets double teamed, sometimes triple teamed, takes blockers away from his teammates, and they get all the glory for making the tackles. But every coach on the entire Shades of Out of Schedule knows who Deron Payne just is, just like they know who Keith Mixon is. And I'm still curious, Drew. I continue to uh, to wonder about Alabama and its involvement with Keith Mixon. Yeah, I do too. I still think he should be the slot in the class, but Alabama is also still recruiting Terry Godwin. Uh, and, and they are, you know, efforting with some other prospects to stay involved with them. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But I just, I really like Keith Mixon a lot, and I don't blame Alabama for staying involved with Godwin, who's one of the best players in the country. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where all that goes. But Mixon is a young man who I think is uh, is someone I know the measurables really aren't there, but the speed is. And I just think he plays with a chip on his shoulder and is a really good football player. Yeah, he's really fast. Um, I, you know, he's a really fun guy to watch, especially on kick return. But, you know, people have gotten smart now. They won't kick it to him. Every yeah. time you, you – re- and, and they shouldn't. You know, you don't blame the coach for that. Uh, I can remember being at a uh, Robert E. Lee Montgomery at Hoover game uh, less than a while because Chad Jackson was playing for Hoover. And, yeah. uh, at the time, I thought Alabama had a shot at Chad Jackson. I didn't realize he was going to up to Florida. For a long time, I thought Alabama had a shot at him. And the Leeds coach is screaming to the punters, don't kick it to number one, don't kick it to number one. Well, they kicked it to Chad. And he took it to the house, and that was that. And, uh, you know, the, the punter was trying to kick it away from him, but somehow he shanked it to him, and it ended up being a touchdown. So, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I really, 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 like you, hope that Alabama can find some way to get an offer to keep mixing. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to that football game. It should be a great atmosphere. Two undefeated teams, probably maybe the two best 6A teams, even though I did see Florence carry, uh, and they've lost to a very good Starkville, Mississippi team, and then, of course, the Shades Valley in a shootout. I saw Keaton Anderson. He's the real deal. He can tackle. There's no doubt about that. And, it, and some people say it took a year too long and that maybe it did. But Alabama is changing their philosophy in recruiting linebackers. Uh, they don't, they're not really mobile on the inside right now as far as being able to cover sideline to sideline. But I think you and I both know that's about to change, and especially if they can flip a well-known young man near the neck of the woods where you're going to be Friday. Yeah, uh, where I'm going to be, uh, Lanier, is uh, a, a little bit it's, – it's North Gwinnett, but you're talking about a gentleman that plays in Central Gwinnett, not far away at all. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Adonis Thomas, and uh, uh, that's another one that is very hard to figure. Uh, you know, he stood Alabama up a couple of times on uh, showing up to games, one at Georgia Dome and one in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I guess he had valid excuses both times. And most camp is certainly, despite winning this past Saturday, still on the hot seat in Gainesville. And most camp and the fact that Adonis's mom really thinks the world of Will is the primary reason that Florida got the commitment in the first place. So the shakier things get for Will, and things are already happening off the field that have almost right. erased have almost erased the win at Tennessee. I mean, obviously you can't take a win off the board, but when you, you get home and your second-string quarterback that came in to help win the game is arrested on suspicion of rape, and your third-string quarterback, whose you know, dad was an NFL coach, Marty Morningweek's son, Still is, uh, gets, yep. gets in a fight with Landon Collins' little brother, Gerald Willis. Uh, 
you got issues far beyond what's happening between the chalk lines. Oh, that, there's no doubt about it. And to me, uh, Carrie, when I heard about Treon Harris, I think it was Mon- Monday after the Tennessee game. The first thing that popped into my head is it's just not going to work out for Will Muschamp. He's cursed <laughs> at Florida. It's just if it's it's one thing or another. If it's not injuries, then it's off the field stuff. And and it's going to be very interesting. Now I thought they had a good chance with Treon to beat LSU. I wouldn't say that now. I don't know who's going to win that football game. <laughs> well, that's that's a battle of two. It's like who dumps the fires burning hottest. <laughs> uh, you know, I would think I would think LSU would would pull it out simply because they're not having the off field issues Florida is. But you never know. Kids, um, I tell you what, I I, uh, I I'm not living in fear of Alabama's trip to Baton Rouge at all. Well, I will say this: we'll get LSU's best shot, but they're just really young defensively. They they especially aren't playing up to par. But the thing that's going to hold Florida back, Kerry, is if they you continue to have to play Jeff Driscoll, I'm sorry, I feel bad for the young man, but he's just not an SEC caliber quarterback. No, he's definitely not. But uh, moving past the issues in Baton Rouge and uh, Florida, we're going to bring on a man that's put out a lot of issues over the years. (laughs) No doubt. Uh, Since 1979, when Bama Magazine was born and then going on to the present day when it still exists, and along with BamaMag.com, my good friend and yours, uh, editor and publisher, chief cook and bottle washer, Kurt McNair. My friend, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, good, Kurt. You know, we've, uh, I know you've been through uh, much worse than this. You've been through the ups and the day. You've seen the peaks and the valleys of Alabama football, so nothing surprises you. Well, what has been your reaction to some of the fan base being up in arms about losing to the Rebels? Well, you know, that just that's a reflection of how good it's been. Uh, exactly. Because, you know, it was just not uh, uh, some of the tirades I've seen are just, pardon me, are completely uh, – uh, well, they're just uh, nonsensical almost. You know, there are people that think Saban's on the hot seat or Saban needs to go or, you know, all these things for losing a game. That You know, <laughs> frankly, Alabama didn't play very well. But, you know, you'd have a hard time going out and finding another coach who could give you uh, national championships every other year or so. So uh, I don't <laughs> think that uh, – I don't think Saban's really feeling the heat. He's disappointed, certainly. He's disappointed in himself. He's disappointed in his players. And I think that, uh, you know, there were there were plenty of mistakes made to go around. Uh, he is, he's been harping on the penalties and turnovers since day one. But, of course, they don't, uh, uh, as he pointed out today, he said nobody else seems to want to talk about them as long as you're winning. But when you lose, then all of a sudden uh, penalties are killing us. And, and he's right. Uh, he is right, of course. He's got to be concerned about him win or lose because one day you're going to come up and play Ole Miss and, and those uh, uh, are somebody else, and those those things are going to be uh, disastrous for you. It doesn't matter how good you are. Uh, you just uh, you just can't overcome uh, mistakes, and mental errors particularly. Kurt, normally I don't thank somebody for not being able to get me a press credential, but I, I do want to thank you for leaving me home this past weekend. <laughs> oh, you, you know, I couldn't even uh, hear but, that. 
sounded funny though. <laughs> I, I said normally I uh, don't thank some thank somebody for not being able to get me a press credential, but I feel like I owe you a debt of gratitude for this past weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a it was not a pleasant ride home. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Uh, but listen, getting back to the present, uh, I understand you guys got treated to a very animated Nick Saban tonight at the press conference. Uh, what, what are some of your recollections of some of his classics there tonight? Well, it was uh, I thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, once upon a time, we'd ask enough dumb questions, in his opinion, that uh, that he'd have something to, you know, maybe have a little rant about. Uh, but, but now that the questions are in really... Uh, for the most part, fairly innocuous. You know, it's a Wednesday press briefing. He'd already told us they were doing well this week, and you know there weren't wasn't a lot to ask about. And and he answered a a, a very routine question about Alpi Tenpenny and uh, the opportunity he'd have now to uh, he'd been helping on the special teams, and now he might have a chance to help on the offense as he moves up to the third team. And then went into kind of a tirade, not at anybody. Just uh, had his players really more than anybody uh, that uh, if they think they're going to play, they work real hard in practice. If they don't think they're going to play, they they're not really paying attention. They're not in, into it, and and uh, and that of course uh, that was pretty. It was actually it was fairly long. Uh, I'd say a, a, it, it sounded like a rant, but it wasn't a rant at us. It was a rant at circumstances. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. In fact, I'll have a story up about it in a few minutes at FamilyMag.com. But uh, the, uh, uh, that naturally led to a question about Bradley Bozeman, who, who wouldn't have been thinking about somebody who hadn't been playing and really not at all. And, uh, and then all of a sudden this, red, this uh, redshirt freshman is thrown in at one of the most important positions on the field at center. And there were some uh, some miscues I thought in the old Miss game with the new center, and that didn't surprise me at all. That's a that's a tough connection that's got to be made. Uh, the guy's got a lot of responsibility at center, and and there he is, as fresh as can be, as far as uh, not being not being a, a veteran of the wars by any means. And uh, so when that question was asked, I uh Put it into the perspective of what he had just been talking about. He said, "He he looks like a changed man out there now that he knows he's going to play." He said, "He's like it's like the Hulk, the guy who could change himself." He said, uh, "He said he, that there are a lot of them out there now that are saying they're going to have a chance to play. They look like Hulks, and they did look like uh, like a guy maybe selling newspapers, which uh, of course he had to get in a little dig." <laughs> You yeah. just wonder if it was the newspaper that Clark Kent writes for. <laughs> yeah, ask Mark Eubius Burnett about that. Right. <laughs> anyway, Kirk, uh, Kirk, looking ahead now, uh, a lot of the haze in the barn. Uh, they went in full gear today. They'll go in shorts and shoulder pads tomorrow and then have a walkthrough. Uh, it's, this is the kind of team, Arkansas, that – the Alabama defense that's kind of in transition between what it takes to stop a spread and what it takes to stop a hard-nosed team. It would seem to me, having observed over the years, that this team this Saturday might be a team that Alabama is actually more capable of stopping and slowing down on offense. Yeah, you know, we were. Uh, I was thinking about that today anyway, that uh, 
in the certainly in the past we would have thought, oh yeah, this is the kind of offense that plays right into what Alabama does best, which is man up and stop the running game and and out muscle you and uh, uh, and now uh, Alabama's been sort of uh, as you say transitioning to a different kind of defense, but they've still got some pretty big boys, so uh, I think they'll be able to handle that. But uh, it will be a different. Um, It'll be a difference in the, the first five games, uh, which were more or less finesse teams and spread teams and get-you-on-the-edge teams and that sort of thing, and, and which Arkansas can also still do that. I mean, they're looking at film, too, at what Alabama's been vulnerable to, and they're not going to say, well, let's just do this anyway. Uh, they're going to probably try and take advantage of some areas where Alabama's been vulnerable, and Alabama really might be more vulnerable in those places preparing for the you know, for the big uh, jumbo package that Arkansas brings in its line and and those two big, uh, real hard-running, tough physical backs that they use. So uh, I can see where there could be some problems, but I also I keep thinking Alabama beat Arkansas last year 52-0. to The year before that, Alabama beat Arkansas 52-0. to So... Uh, Alabama may have slipped back a little bit from those two teams, but has Arkansas made up 52 points? I, I find that unlikely. Uh, and I think that, you know, there, Arkansas has some areas where, uh, even though Nick Saban today said they could be very effective passing the ball, that doesn't really seem to be the case. Uh, and and I think that Alabama, uh, even with the injuries and uh, the problems of a new center and uh, lots of other things, You'd have to think that Alabama should win this game, and boy, oh boy, does Alabama need to win this game. If Alabama loses two games in a row this early in the season, of course, uh, it's over. Yeah, I agree, Kirk, 100%. I think the one thing, there's been a lot of consternation about the secondary, but this uh, this offense ought to be easier to defend. There's only going to be a lot of just two-man routes. Uh, that they, if, you know, if they do a lot of studying, and they might do a little bit of three-receiver formations, but there should not be near as many mental errors in the secondary because this is going to be old-school football at its finest. This is basically just going to be how tough are you. I, I didn't hear the very end of that uh, unless I got cut off. Oh, I'm sorry, Kirk. I just, I just said that it's going to be old school football at its finest. This, for this defense, it's just going to be how tough are you? Uh, you know, because they're, they're going to continue to keep pounding. And, again, the, uh, the the secondary should be able to cut down on the mental errors because the, this passing game is not going to be that hard to defend considering uh, they, it's only a lot of two- and three-man routes, and they should be able to have a good chance at shutting down the Arkansas passing game. Yeah, I think that – I think almost everybody would agree with that, that that would be, that would be what you would anticipate. Kirk, you were – a guy that worked for many years with Coach Bryant, and you wrote about him for many years after that. There was no internet back in the late 60s when Scott Hunter was leading six and five teams, which is probably a good thing. There was very little talk radio back then. The whole world of sports coverage has changed. That being said, you know, there were people in the late 60s who were saying that the game had passed Coach Bryant by and blah, 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 and then he all of a sudden brings in the wishbone, reinvents himself and his team, and has a great decade of the 70s. I say that to say this. I realize that he won 11 games each of the last three seasons. 
with very few championships of any type, save a division. It it appears to me, Kurt, that the game is beginning to pass Coach Spurrier by. Coach, did you say Coach Spurrier? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get to see them much, but, <clears throat> you know, bad things happen sometimes. Uh, they've lost two fourth-quarter leads and, and two games to teams that, uh, you know, if you watch – um, if you watch South Carolina against Georgia, you just thought there was no chance in the world that uh, Missouri or, or Kentucky certainly could beat uh, South Carolina. And when you lose, uh, they lost those fourth quarter leads, but they lost them kind of in different ways, I thought. Against Missouri, they lost it because the defense didn't hold up to some big plays. Against um, Kentucky, I, I kind of thought the offense lost it. The offense was just going great guns with a running game, and then all of a sudden, sort of, uh, it seemed to uh, say, "Well, let's let's experiment with some other things," and and really gave Kentucky uh, time and opportunity to get back in the game and win it. So uh, that that certainly uh, in the Kentucky game, I would certainly say that that uh, he may have outcoached himself more or less, uh, doing things like that. But uh, I, I, maybe because of Coach Bryant doing what he did uh, up until he was nearly 70 years old, and by the way, back then, 70 was a lot older than it is now, uh, I could I could probably be a little sympathetic to Spurrier, who's had such a great career. And it, and really, in his uh, in, at one time, I thought, uh, he was among the best it's ever been, so I don't think he slipped too much, and I think uh, I'd be real surprised if he can get the players. Which you know, South Carolina is not exactly the best place to get a lot of good football players. Although he certainly had, he's had a few. Uh, I, I think that he's probably still got it. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how they finish the season. Uh, they've, because obviously, Kirk, now you know, the season always needs to play out. But that win for Texas A&M doesn't look nearly as impressive now. And we saw Mississippi State the way they dismantled Texas A&M. I know this is an Alabama show, but I know I've, I've been supremely impressed with this Mississippi State team. There's a lot of people saying that they'll, 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 you know finally run into a roadblock Saturday and, and Mullen will do his usual choke job against Auburn. I'm picking Mississippi State to win that game. I think they could have easily beat Auburn last year. And my my whole rationale behind it is I think Mississippi State's a better football team than they were last year. And to me thus far, Dak Prescott is player of the, lead, player of the year, part of me, in the SEC. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I would agree with that. I think Dak Prescott, who – had really not impressed me last year in the Alabama game. Uh, I mean, I could tell he was a good athlete, but I didn't think he was a very good quarterback. And uh, right. so I was sort of uh, in the preseason when people were talking about Mississippi State, I was kind of saying, yeah, 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 uh, pencil them in at sixth in the West. You know, that's uh, kind of the way I felt, really. And, uh, and boy, boy, they have fooled me there. They're a very, very good team, and I think uh, I think that Al- that Auburn uh, Mississippi State game is going to be really an interesting one to watch if, uh, if you get an opportunity to, because I think Auburn's offense may be a little better overall than Mississippi State's, 
but I, you know the quarterbacks I'd take either one of them in, in the offense they run and and I think they can both be very very effective but what I think where I think uh, Mississippi State has the advantage is boy that is a rough tough defense I mean Auburn's I think Auburn's playing better defense this year than they did last year too but I'm not sure Auburn, Auburn's really had a, a, a test uh, I think that uh which is a surprise, really, but I, I just don't think their defense has really been tested, and I think that Mississippi State will test it. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I do, too. I really am looking forward to it. I think it may be the best game thus far in the SEC. I think it will be a real barn burner. And I don't know, you've been around this league you know, a long time, Kirk. I'm, I've, I've called it since the end of the game last week, and I'm not being disrespective, in my opinion, of Ole Miss. I think their defense is very good, but I'm calling for the letdown. I think A&M, it sets up well for them Saturday at night against the Rebels. I think Texas A&M will beat Ole Miss in a close football game. I think, you know, the, the Ole Miss Rebel defense will keep them in it. But I think with the home field and with having an emotional letdown, I, I think Texas A&M being that they don't need to lose two straight, I think I like the Aggies at home on Saturday. Well, I do too. And uh, Traditionally, and I've said this before, you know, a lot of teams get an off week before they play Alabama, and I think the best time to have an off week is after you play Alabama because regardless of what happens, I think you need, if you win uh, on those rare occasions where people beat Alabama, they uh, invariably they uh, get beat the next week, and even even teams that play Alabama and lose tend to lose the next week too because they've been so drained by preparing for Alabama. So I think that uh, I think that's usually a good bet when a team plays Alabama that you can just about bet that they're not going to play well the next week. I will say Kirk, this though: uh, Texas, if Texas A&M's receivers don't catch the ball any better than they than they were uh, trying to do so against Mississippi State, uh, uh, they'll have a hard time. You know, against South Carolina, that looked like the greatest uh, passer and, and receiver core in in the country, maybe. And uh, and since then, they have really, really struggled. Kirk, talking about Texas A&M further, I think our listeners that, that don't know you well might be interested to hear about your family connection to Texas A&M. Well, it's not a huge connection. Um, when uh, when my son was thinking about college, uh, it's interesting. Both my children, uh, neither one wanted to go to Alabama, not because they didn't like Alabama, far from that, but just wanted to get out of town, and I couldn't say anything because I'd done the same thing. I wanted to leave town. And uh, so my daughter went to Vanderbilt saying, well, Vanderbilt will never be a threat to Alabama. And my son uh, went to Texas A&M to see the member of the Hurricane Bowl. He went out there and saw the campus and saw everything, all the traditions. And, and uh, of course, he knew that, that Texas A&M had been Coach Bryant's favorite school other than Alabama. And uh, and he said, you know, they're not in our league. We'll never play them, and uh, so that'll be a good place to go. And so he went to Texas A&M and uh, graduated there, and met a girl from San Antonio there, and uh, and they've been married uh, a good long time now, about twenty years and twenty something years, and got two wonderful children, and both their children want to go to Texas A&M right now. So we'll see how that works out. 
And also, talking about your son, Stuart, uh, I think our listeners might be interested to know he is the chief photographer for BamaMag.com, even though that's not his full-time job. He's an IT guy at Randall Riley Publishing. Talk about how Stuart made himself into a sports photographer. That's very interesting. I mean, he that, that's been a hobby of his since he was a little boy. In fact, there's a very fine photographer in Tuscaloosa named Crosby Tomley that uh, anybody who's lived in Tuscaloosa is certainly familiar with Crosby Tomley. And Crosby was teaching photography at uh, the university when Stewart was uh, just a just a kid, really. And Crosby kind of recognized some talent, some passion for photography in Stewart. And so Crosby would pick Stewart up. Stewart couldn't wasn't old enough to drive. Crosby would pick him up and take him to take him to his class at the university. And uh, so he got great great instruction, but. Photography is, uh, you know, that's a gift in a way, a talent uh, uh, that some people have and some don't. And I'm, uh, he certainly did not get that from me. <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not a photographer at all, but uh, he is, uh, he is a, uh, if he wanted to do that for a living, I think he could make a living. He's, he's very good. Oh, he does a great job, and, and people need to go to BamaMag.com every week and look at Stewart's galleries from the various games that, that we cover. Uh, I would put his work up against any full-timer in that profession. Oh, I would, too. I certainly would, too. And he's, uh, I think he's well-respected by the, by the full-time photographers. Uh, they seem to uh, have a great rapport with him. Well, Kirk, I would ask you to. Uh, you, 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 I'm sorry. You, you've had the chances to to hear the players up close this week. I've also been listening, and I thought it was very, you know, you know kind of what Jalen and Fowler said, what Austin Shepard said. We thought we had a story on the Alabama about things we've heard from people close to the players that came out of the locker room at Ole Miss. I said earlier before you came on, Matt, on the players to step up. Uh, what do you – What do you, but this is the thing since going into the 2008 season. Uh, you know, 2007, I really didn't know we, what to expect when Coach Saban was laying the foundation. A little bit of about the mindset of this team. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, how you think the team is going to respond Saturday? You know, Saban said today that he had been uh, pleased with the response in practice, and of course that's where it's got to start. But Monday and Tuesday practices have been very good. Today's was a tough practice, and the players worked through it and and did a good job. So that's certainly uh, a good sign. That's where it starts. You know, you can't you can't get all rah rah right before the game and expect to win. You've got to do you've got to do the the things to win. You do the, those in practice the week before, and so. Um, you know, this, these are good players, very good players, as many as anybody in the country, Scott, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, even though a few have been injured, I would be very, very surprised if Alabama didn't, didn't rebound. Uh, I'm not going to say they'll run the table because it's a tough, tough schedule in the SEC yeah. West, but uh, I'd be very, very surprised if Alabama didn't rebound well. Kirk, last question for me, and uh, I ask this to you as a, as, as a fellow guy that, that has a, an affinity also for Alabama basketball, as does Drew. We learned this afternoon, Kirk, that uh, an actual attempt to promote the program 
will take place before the Texas A&M game, something they're calling hoops on the quad at 11 o'clock with men's and women's basketball. Were you as pleased as I was to read that announcement? Well, I was. I read it, and uh, I thought, well, uh, I hope it's not too little too late. Uh, I think they're uh, Alabama basketball right now, men's basketball, is uh, in the doldrums uh, in the fan base at least. Uh, I don't know what's going on on the practice court, uh, uh, but hopefully uh, the, the product will will uh, reenthuse. Uh, and out, you know, but I guess people say, "Oh, Alabama is a football school." Alabama is a football school. I'm not denying that, but Alabama's always had great uh, competitive basketball. Not always the best, because obviously Kentucky. But uh, other than Kentucky, Alabama's got the best record in the history of the SEC. Uh, best winning percentage, but most wins. And as I tell my friends from Kentucky, we're you know you're one, and we're two, and we're not very close, but we're a heck of a lot closer to you, you in basketball than you are to us in football. So uh, <laughs> I want a good basketball program, and uh, and I want Anthony Grant to be successful. But uh, you know it's sort of like I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. So I'm glad. Certainly, I'm glad for a promotion because we've been sadly lacking in that. And that's been even uh, the contrast has been even greater in the last few months since Auburn hired a you know just a human promotional dynamo in Bruce Pearl, who's been out seemingly everywhere uh, promoting Auburn basketball. So uh, I'm glad to see Alabama uh, making this step. Tell our listeners, if you would, about the uh, basketball preview uh, edition that you're working on for the magazine. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Just uh, tell the listeners forward that you go about the Alabama uh, preview that you're working on for the upcoming magazine. Well, I have been. I've been working on it uh, for seems like forever, and uh, unfortunately, Coach Grant never had time for me, so I've had to just uh, do it without any input from him. But um, uh, we will have our our uh, basketball preview issue out. Of course, you did the story on. Uh, basketball's recruiting efforts right now, and uh, and we've got uh, you know some, I think some interesting stories, but unfortunately because of uh, uh, just sort of a lack of resources, uh, although it probably won't be unfortunate for most of our readers, we we'll, we'll have a about a half of that magazine, uh, the part that we do, not the part that Scout does, but the part that we do will be uh, football related, so. It's uh, even though it's a, a basketball issue, uh, we'll also be uh, kind of looking ahead to what Alabama might expect uh, as we get closer to championship season. Hard, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, so it's uh, a lot of guesswork. But uh, you know, that's fun too to speculate. Yeah, it really is. You're looking forward to. Everybody kind of wants to see how the football team reacts to this adversity against Ole Miss, and everybody kind of wants to see, you know, the product Coach Grant puts out on the floor. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, he needs to win this season. Uh, that's that has been said in ad nauseum, and hopefully they're going to turn it around. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, he needs to, you know, get to postseason play, especially the NCAA tournament, and hopefully, you know, Alabama's football team uh, can react uh, in a positive way and stay in the uh, national spot. Light. And I think the first step will be against the Hogs. But uh, Kirk, we really appreciate you coming on with us on, on Bams all the, uh, as always, and uh, I'll let Carrie let you uh, put.
put out the word on your product. Absolutely. Okay, guys, Y'all good can, to talk uh, to you. Yes, sir. Thanks for being with us, Kirk. That's uh, Kirk McNair, uh, editor and publisher of Bama Magazine, which the basketball edition and the football playoff preview will all be combined in, in one mag. That'll be hitting the newsstands in just another week or two, uh, about closer to two weeks from now. Also, uh, you can visit BamaMag.com daily to read Kirk's work, my work, uh, A.P. Stedham's work, Kirk's son Stewart's photography, uh, and, and some pretty good uh, message boards if, if we do such. Oh, and the work of John Garcia, a very good friend of this show, who I was privileged of about a week and a half or so ago. Uh, and the Drew, you know, while I'm on that, uh, why not uh, give a little preview of John Garcia's speaking engagement in Huntsville? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be privileged to, to have the second time to have John Garcia speak to the NATI uh, group, uh, our North Alabama Tide fans, as we call them. Uh, he will be speaking at the old Greenbrier Barbecue uh, and, and just outside of Huntsville, Alabama, and right in between Huntsville and Decatur. Uh, he will be speaking there on October Tuesday, October the 14th uh, is when he is going to speak. Usually everybody arrives around 530 at the restaurant to eat and uh and and socialized before you know john speaks uh the last time he came about a year ago uh he spoke for a good two hours and or and, to, and took questions and even took questions after the uh the engagement was over but it's a great job he's coming back again and everybody's looking forward to getting the latest uh recruitment i think unique because I think for film and other people, we're just really looking forward to what John uh, has to say uh, on October the 14th. Right. And John will be with us again on this show uh, sometime in the coming weeks. We, we, we pledge to have him at least once a month. Drew, a couple of questions from the chat room. I'll let you handle them both, but I'll ask them to you. Uh, first, what do you feel the prognosis going forward is for Kenyon Drake? I think we understand the surgery went well, Kerry. It was very similar of an injury to what happened to Derrick Henry last spring uh, when he was injured and broke his leg and then had to have surgery and uh, was, had to rehab after eight to ten week, uh, eight to ten weeks of healing. And I think that's basically, you know, what's going to have to happen. He went through an eight to ten week rehab. Kenyon Drake will do the same. Uh, and then he will, you know, have to he, – he's not eligible for a medical red shirt. He already played through the fifth game. So he will be a senior next fall. I've heard people say that he might still try to declare for the draft. That's true. When you're coming off an injury like this and with Kenyon's, you know, past, uh, his best bet is to come back and play his senior year. He had gotten over, I think, his off-the-field uh, issues. According to Coach Sayton, he had done a very good job working hard and was, you know, one of the leaders, had, had turned into almost one of the leaders on the team. And I think he'll be counted upon to do the same thing next year. And uh, I think with we've seen Derrick Henry's recovery. He's performed at a, at a nice level, carry. And I think that Kenyon Drake will have the opportunity to do the same thing because, thank goodness, I do not think there's a pro-throw-level injury as once feared when it first happened. No, it's not. In, in fact, there's actually a scenario in place where he could actually play the playoffs. Uh, right. He'll, he'll, begin, he'll begin actual rehab around the Iron Bowl time frame. Yeah. But if they were fortunate enough to get to Atlanta and win and then have a couple of weeks off before January the first round or a January bowl game, uh, there's actually a scenario where he could play that game. Yes. I mean, and I think Keenan will work very hard. He was uh, performing at a very high level, and 
you know, that's another reason, you know, I think the stars just align for Ole Miss. If if a guy like Kenyon Drake could have stayed on the field kick, he can turn a five yard pitch into an eighty yard play. And he's just the kind he's the kind of electric guy through the he's touching the football to play and it was just sad to see him go out. But I know Kenyon's been very encouraged by all the responses he's got from the Todd Nation and that he will be he will work hard and return to the grid with the event. And before I ask you the next chat question, I want to remind our listeners that can call on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707. We'll be happy to take questions. Uh, we still have 20 minutes to go in the show. So, again, the Big Head Barbecue Bams Radio Hotline is 714-510-3707. And speaking of Big Head Barbecue, uh, you need to go to Big Head BBQ. Drink Specials. They have, and you need to come by and visit the Bam's Radio tent located in Summit. Uh, what have been your impressions thus far of Tony Brown? I think Tony's maturing. Uh, he had some bumps in the road Saturday. Uh, you know, he I thought he made some plays, but he got overpowered by Laquan Treadwell. It reminded me of, uh, of uh, you know, of D. Milner when he was a freshman, had his ups and downs. I think Tony will do the same, but I think the talent's obvious. I think he has a chance to be a great player. He just needs to continue to grind and improve. And uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, the, the biggest microcosm was, a lot of people got on Landon Collins, but if you if you follow Will Lowry on Twitter, he's a very good follow and very forthcoming. And as he said in Nick Saban's secondary, he said everything can be a a one and great, but if a cornerback turns his hips the wrong way, you know it can be a big play waiting to happen. And I think that happened a couple of times on Saturday. And one of those times, and Coach Saban kind of reiterated in the post game press conference that this tweet was during the game on that final touchdown for Ole Miss. You know, when you saw, and I've watched the replay, when you see the back come out of the backfield on that wheel route, what was supposed to happen is Tony Brown was supposed to switch off with Landon, take the back, and then Landon was supposed to have the flat. Well, if you watch Tony Brown, he froze and didn't take the the back and just left Landon out to dry. He did the best he could to get over there, but it was too late. And that's just what's going to happen when you play a young player like Tony. He's going to make plays like he made against Florida, and a couple of miss, but then he's going to give up some plays. And so you just got to hope that he continues to get better. And with every game, he should continue to improve. Like Saban said of Reggie Ragland, he's getting better every game. You'll see that with the chance to be an All-American. He just has to keep working. And if Eddie Jackson can get back on the field uh, to carry, I think I still think the secondary can be a pretty good unit this year. Another question from Chad uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, actions and the judgments against Trey Elston? Um, all I'll say is this. Trey Elston should have been suspended for a full game. I don't buy this garbage he was trying to kick the ball out. And he may have been trying to kick the ball out, but uh, the bottom line is Kenyon Gray, the play's already over. Why are you kicking anyway? You're not going to the ball. It's a dead ball situation. The bottom line is Trey Elson's got a history. He got suspended for for uh, for uh, targeting last year, I believe, or in dirty play. And during the football game after Kenyon Drake's play, he tried to twist Amari Cooper's knee. The bottom line is the kid's a dirty football player. You call a spade a spade. 
if if you're going to suspend the center for a whole game for old, for Mississippi State, then and I said this on Facebook Monday when it was announced, the move was total chicken shit by Ole Miss. They need they know they need him in the secondary in the second half against Texas A&M, and the SEC blindly approved it when they decided to spend it for a half. He needs to be gone for a whole game. And the kid, and to be honest about it, Nelson is a good football player. There's some Alabama fans saying he was a miss. Well, I'm glad he was because I wouldn't have the kid. Another question from chat. Uh, in your opinion, Drew, who starts at right guard versus Arkansas? Alphonse Taylor will start at right guard. Ari Quanjo starts at left. Leon Brown's had his opportunity. And in my opinion, unless Shank Taylor completely struggles, that's the only time he should be allowed back in the starting five. Shank has played uh, quite a bit this season and has not had the penalties or mental errors of Leon Brown, and I think it's time for the redshirt sophomore from Mobile to step up. Well, we do have a caller coming in now, uh, our most faithful and loyal caller of all time here on BAMS Radio, Marty from Gadsden. Welcome to BAMS. You're on with Kerry and Drew. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Doing very well, Marty. Good to hear from you, man. Good hey, I missed the first part of the show, but uh, I hope I, you know, y'all didn't touch on what I'm going to talk about. But, you know, how long does it take for Coach Saban to realize that his special teams are not special, and, and do something with Bobby Williams, move him to somewhere else? I mean, I know they're close friends, but you know, as much money as this university's got. They can definitely bring in a special teams coach that can help this team. You know, you see it game after game after game after game. You know, and I, it, it makes me nauseous every time. You know, the opposing team kicks off or we kick off. You know, it, it just it really worries me. It really does. I, I don't know what y'all's opinion of that is. Well, Marty, I'll take it first and then let Kerry. But I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I've met Bobby Williams. He's a great man. But the bottom line is the two, two of the units that performed the worst of this past Saturday night, or Saturday afternoon, pardon me, were the special teams unit and the tight end. And that's his areas. Uh, to me, he's, he should be kicked upstairs and, you know, given a role within the program. He's a great human being, but Coach Saban or tight. He's been with Coach Saban, you know, at LSU, Michigan State, and Alabama, and shortly with the Dolphins. But, again, I, I think, you know, that he should be given a role. It, he would be great in a public relations role. I think that's what he should be doing. But I think Alabama has the money and the resources to go get an NFL-caliber special teams coach uh, and completely, uh, you know, reinvigorate uh, the special teams and overhaul it. And then I would and I would move Billy Napier to tight ends coach, let him keep the title of recruiting coordinator. And then, to me, the biggest answer, and this is I say, Coach Saban has tried to hire this gentleman twice, but the, the wide receivers coach that worked with Lane Kiffin that's already come here working with him in Southern California is one T. Martin, who has a lot of ties to the state of Alabama, who, who could really recruit Mobile and could go punch for punch with Damian Craig. I think the Alabama staff would be much better off if they could get someone along those lines of T. Martin or Frank Wilson at LSU. But T. Martin would be my first choice and bring him in and hire a special teams coach and revamp the kicking game because, as you said, Marty, throughout Coach Saban's tenure, it's been two up and down. And the kickoff coverage was spotty Saturday. Uh, time with Christian Jones has been terrible this year. Alabama has got to, they've got too many good athletes to not cover kicks well. 
and Christian Jones has got to get the return game going because that still could have won the game Saturday. And uh, they just and then Adam Griffith has been hot and cold, but I just think probably going to be Griff. I still think he has talent, but the real thing is they've got to get kick return going. They've got to get the coverage units better. And then tight end is a position right now with the, the talent of O.J. Howard. Brian Vogler has not developed to be the kind of player people thought. Alabama needs to, you know, step it up in, the area, in that area in player development for tight ends. And I just think that's where it needs to go, and that's my opinion. But I'll let Terry kind of give his take. Well, I, I agree. The issues on special teams they, they continue to occur every year, recur, I guess would be the word. And I, I want somebody that can teach the tight ends not to hold in close right. situations. I, I've, I, I've, I've heard and read and listened to everything about the one at Auburn. They say it wasn't a hold. Well, maybe it wasn't, but the one at Ole Miss was a hold, and he even admitted it. So can we get somebody that can teach the tight ends not to hold when we're trying to score the winning touchdown? Uh, and I know that person is out there. Uh, I don't recruit, and uh, this is probably as good a time as any to give our congratulations to him. He became a father today. Uh, Sammy Nelson Napier was born today at twelve fifteen. Yeah, we congratulate uh, seven him. pounds five ounce. So we congratulate him. And he's a wonderful recruiter, and, and I think a very good wide receiver coach. Uh, yes, it helps having a Mari. Uh, we need to get the other guys involved a little bit. Uh, I'll admit that. Uh, you know, DeAndre can't seem to stay healthy. That's not the position coach's fault. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with Bobby Williams, Marty. I, I, I'd like to see a change made at the end of the year. I don't, I don't know who it would be. Those, the, the, the name, the T. Martin has, I think, told people off the record that he intends to never coach at Alabama. But, but hey, maybe he'll change his mind. I, I, that's as good a place to start as any. Well, Frank Wilson's good too, Kerry. He, he's arguably LSU's best recruiter, and right now. Uh, Les Miles is going to be a little bit heated right now. <laughs> I wouldn't mind Ron Middleton coming back. Well, you know, it, it definitely, I mean, every time I watch uh, us kick off to the opposing team, you know, I, I, I get so much anxiety in me that it, it just scares me to death because it's the same same thing over and over. And I I don't understand that, that you know, Coach Saban has got to be aware of that. He's got to be aware of that. I don't you know he's too smart of a guy not to see that and and not make some changes there. And I, I just don't understand why he, he he has not done it already. Well, and I agree, Marty. That's the one thing with his coaching staff is we've had changes every year he's been at Alabama, but that's been one of them that I've been perplexed by. And there's been a lot of rumors about Coach Williams retiring and or moving into administration. It hasn't happened the last two years, but. I think those are going to intensify, especially if the team doesn't, you know, pick up its performance. Hopefully they will, but, again, I don't think there's any doubt that there needs to be uh, some changes uh, made in that area, in my opinion. Well, guys, great show tonight. Uh, I, I, I hated I missed uh, some, of, some of it tonight, but, you know, what I heard was, was a good show, and, you know, keep the good Appreciate work it. up. And, you know, i tell you what, you know, we're <laughs> – we got we got a long way to go. I, I was really disappointed in this game and and how we performed and you know the effort in the game and uh, the hunger in the game. It, it really just uh, discouraged me. But hopefully this this might be what it takes to wake this team up and get their attention and you know get a little bit of the hunger back because I mean it it wasn't just special teams only. It it was an overall thing. It was play calling. You know, I never, I, I didn't understand why we didn't spread 
the defense out more. I mean, maybe because it's DeAndre White being hurt, we didn't. But you know, put somebody else out there, give them an opportunity. You know, and I, I I just didn't like the bunch up the bunch up offense that we run that that played right into that defense's hand. Uh, there was just a lot of things in that game that just uh, it, it really bothered me, and, and I hope this ain't what we go forward with because I think we match up better with Arkansas, but I still worry on down the road with some other teams that we got to play, guys. That's yeah. fair statement. But the good news, Marty, is the toughest ones are at home. Yeah, that's uh, true. What's, what's the what's the uh, report on DeAndre White? I mean, is he is he back healthy again, or is he still going to be a decoy well, or? What's the deal? Well, I've heard he's practiced all week this week and moved much better, Marty. Um, I know he had a little bit of a limp going into that Ole Miss game, but I've heard he's been moving very well. He has not been limited when they've watched him. So hopefully he will be much better this week because, as you've seen, he can produce when he's healthy. And hopefully this past ridiculously awful performance by Chris Wake him up because in the years help Alabama find a way to beat Ole Miss by making some plays in the kicking game at receive and at receiver. But they really need the old twenty-two and need him to finish his career like everybody thought. You know, going into the year that he had a chance to play in the NFL. Well, and if he doesn't turn it around, he's pissing that. And hopefully, he can over the last you know two thirds of his senior season because. It just has not been good the first, you know, five games right now. Well, I agree, guys. I'll get out here and let y'all finish up the show, man. You know, just a row tide. I, I'm not losing faith in the team. I think we can still go forward. Maybe this win will wake everybody up and uh, get the hunger back on the team. We appreciate the call. At roll tide. Thank appreciate you. it, Marty. Here from, uh, and he's right. I mean, uh, the, the ability, we said this last hour, but the, the ability to – to turn it around in the schedule favorable regarding who's home and who's away, I think those two things are, are, are unquestionably realistic. Right? We agree on the talent level. Yeah, I'm here. Um, I just think, you know, that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to what Saban has talked about in the preseason this week. He said the practices have been good this week, and Kirk talked about it as well. And so we'll see come Saturday. But this is a winnable football game for Alabama, and a game Alabama, even if it's a tough game, it's a game they should win on the road, and hopefully winning will cure all ills and, as you said, shut a lot of people up. I said earlier I felt like it would be about a 35-14 to 14 win uh, for Alabama. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the score, Drew? And then Thomas can chime in. I mean, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. But as I told Kirk, I really have not been sure about, you know, the mindset of the team. But my score, I'm going to stick with it. I always do. I was completely wrong about Ole Miss. I said 31-13. Uh, I'm going with 30-17 to 17 Alabama. I think it will be a four-quarter fight that Alabama will pull away in the second half and, and make and finally force some turnovers from the Hogs and can, and control the football game, make the plays when they have to make them, and, and get a road win uh, for, for Alabama. Thomas Watts? 
I think this game is going to be really interesting because of how Arkansas plays, but there's a little there's a little bit of a misnomer in that Arkansas can throw the ball, but their big receiver or the guy that seems to be their biggest target is Hunter Henry, the tight end. Right. They don't, they don't actually they have receivers that have caught as many or more balls than him, but he's kind of been the safety valve guy. You know, he 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 plays a very similar role to Evan Ingram with Ole Miss. Right. I mean, he's a little bigger than Ingram, but it, it that that's it's going to be interesting to see how Alabama defends that. How do they but at the other side of it, it's a power running offense. I mean, this is this is old school football. I'm looking forward to it. I think even though as stated, Alabama has sort of trended away from the big beefy guys, and that will make stopping a power offense a little bit more difficult. I got to believe that TJ Yeldon's speech was not just hot air, and this team is going to come out looking for blood. I think Alabama is going to drop 45 points on them in a heartbeat, something like 45-10. I think it's going to. I think Alabama is going to blow them away. Wow, that's very very interesting take, and I really hope it's how they uh, that what happens and. Thomas, what I guess you you've talked about it a little bit. We I know it's toward the end of the show, but kind of talk about you know what how Alabama needs to defend Arkansas because you do such a great job breaking down you know, you do offensively and defensively. Well, it's going to be a game where I think you will see more traditional three man fronts in a three four alignment. Yeah, because and and you're gonna but you're gonna see beefy three man fronts right to, to free up linebackers to stop any kind of running offense getting going. Uh, I, I, the problem with power is what happens when you stop it? It's going to get behind the chains, and when you get a power offense behind the chains, they're going to be throwing the ball, but the quarterback's not very good, or they're going to be running a draw, which on occasion will bust one for 20 yards in a first down. But more often than not, that's kind of a, okay, we're just going to get a few yards in punt action. So I think first and second down, you'll see some big, beefy fronts to slow down the Arkansas rush attack. And it's just going to be a case of can Alabama's corners or Alabama's safeties stand up in what will probably be man-to-man coverage because Alabama's going to have to pack the box. Right. And at, at the end of the day, it's who it's really going to decide this game is who's more physical, Arkansas mm-hmm. Big offensive line. They got some big kids on that line. They're gonna, they'll push some people around. But I've the only time I've seen Alabama out physicaled in the past few years has been LSU, and that we can certainly go back and forth about if LSU is actually more physical than Alabama. So I, I have a hard time believing that Alabama is just going to roll over and let Arkansas punch them in the face. And then offensively, it's balance. It's all about balance. And does Bradley Bozeman, does he settle in? Because it was very, very obvious to me personally coming out of the Ole Miss game that Bozeman was a little unsettled. Blame him for being unsettled, right. but he was unsettled. If the offensive line can solidify a little more, I think Alabama is going to be able to move the ball. Arkansas had some good ends, but how do you stop that? Up the gut rushing if you need it. Or – what I was shocked that worked, and even though it didn't work all the time against Ole Miss, was that stretch play that they ran out of the shotgun a lot. Right. I, I think we might see a little more of that, particularly to the left side, 
because and I apologize if you said this earlier in the show, but Robinson came out and was a the biggest man on the field when Alabama was on offense. Oh, he was. He was tremendous. And if he keeps that going, keep running behind him. Just, I mean, hell, your your playbook should be run behind Robinson. Pull out the uh, championship game versus Georgia second-half playbook and just run it. But we'll see. I, I do think Alabama will need some, some – but if the running game gets going in it, just keep pounding them. At least, but I do think Alabama is going to run away with this. I think Alabama, like I said at the start of the show, it is. It's. I have to believe that having been 18 to 22 years old, even in the past five years, because I'm only 27. Tier anyway, I, I know what it's like to think that everything's okay. Everything's okay. I can get by. I can get by, and then get a cold bath with reality and realize it's you can't just kind of slide along. You've got to bust your ass week in and week out to get what you need to get done done. And I think that reality check has come, and I think Alabama's coming for blood, and they're not going to stop. Well said, and good scouting report. <laughs> and as always, that blood will be crimson. Uh, we will close out with that. That was great, Thomas. Thank you for that. It is the hour. You've been with us two hours strong. Uh, for Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, for Thomas Watts of Magazine, thanks to our callers, Kurt McNair of .com, and also Coach Bruce Miller of the Gainesville Red Elephants. Gary Clark signing off on yet another edition of Bams Radio on Audio, part of the Bama Sport family. Everybody. Roll back. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.